0: Since when has impossible ever stopped you? Friday's disappointment is Sunday's empty tomb. Since when has impossible ever stopped you? This is the sound of dry bones rattling. This is the praise, make a dead man walk again Open the grave, I'm coming out I'm gonna live, gonna live again This is the sound of dry bones rattling the new
1: Good morning and welcome to 1C, would you please rise for our first song.
2: All you want
3: Seat, if you would, good morning and welcome. Good to be together in the house of Jesus, huh? Yes. Thank you very much. Nicely done. Okay, announcements. Here we go. Um, first one that comes up is welcome guest, and we do want to do that. And if you're here, this is your first time here. This is your twentieth time here. If it still somehow feels new, we are delighted that you're here, and we welcome you and hope that this will become. Part of your weekly rhythm, that you'll come to 1C for worship and for teaching, for singing, for meeting new people, for building relationships. We're glad you're here. If you would take a moment, if you're so inclined, you can text 1C guest to 94,000. That just yeah, gives us an indicator that you were with us today. We want to know that. Not so that we can um, you know, call you and text you and email you, but it gives us... Um, some insight into who's coming. And then if you need something from us, that's a way to kind of talk to us and we can help you. Prayer request, uh, you can also text prayer request to 402-242-5051. Those are, we gather those uh, during the service before we get up to prayers of the people, and then we read those. Um, Prayer is often an untapped resource that we have as Christ followers. And so here at 1C, we want to be sure that we allot time to pray for those who have, you know, been in communication with us. Uh, Pick up communion elements. They are still available out there in the little, you know, container, the hourglass container. We are also doing communion this way coming forward. So if you have a chance, if you did not get those and you want one during the next song, you can head out there and get them. Uh, A couple of announcements that are things that are coming up next week. Uh, July 11, in between services, so at the 10 o'clock hour, we will be having a voters meeting here uh, in the sanctuary. Should be fairly simple, election of officers, couple of updates on some things, not a lot of detail, not a whole. should not be here for very long. So hope that you can join in that and come and be a part of that. Um, Sidewalk Profits is coming on July 24th. There's lots of buzz about that around the community and and on the the digital community as well. Those tickets are available. You can go to the website and find them. And also next week, after the second service, we're gonna get together in the uh, multi-purpose room. That's over here off of the student lobby where the new kitchen has been put in. And Tim and Josie will be there. This is gonna be a gift card shower for them. So we invite you to that gift card shower. What is that? Well, you know, it's a gift card from a store, from a restaurant, from a whatever, things that they might need, and then they they have these gift cards, and they can go purchase their own stuff. So that's how we're going to do that. That's after church next Sunday. And let me double check to be sure I got it all in. I did. Welcome again. Let's continue to worship.
4: This past week, we've been having a lot of fun at Mystery Island, tracking down the one true God. And that made me think of a game I used to play called Two Truths and a Lie. Have you ever played that game? No. You've played it? A couple people have heard of it? Well, we're going to play it this morning, but a little bit different. Um, We're going to play Two Lies and a Truth. So I'm going to tell you three things that I've done on an island, not Mystery Island, but on an island, and you have to guess which one is true Okay, are you ready? All right, so the first thing is, I mountain biked down a volcano. Are you say no, we'll see. That one, or how about, I kayaked on a, down a waterfall. You guys don't think I did that either? All right.
5: And the third one is that I snorkeled with Stingray
6: and Barracuda. I snorkeled
4: with Stingray and Barracuda. Oh, you couldn't understand me? Okay, the third one is that I snorkeled with Stingray and Barracuda. You think all three of them are not true? One of them. Well, let's let's do it this way. You raise your hand if you think I mountain bike down a volcano. One of you. Two? Okay. A couple of you think. All right. How about raise your hand if you think I kayaked down a waterfall? It looks like your paddle. (laughs) It's my paddle. A couple of you think that I did that. All right. Raise your hand if you think I snorkeled with stingray and barracuda. More of you think I did that. You are right. I snorkeled with stingray and barracuda. You know what? That was the only thing that was true. And as much as I would like to mountain bike down a volcano and kayak over a waterfall, just by me saying it didn't make it true, did it? No. But you know what? We have one true God. And the amazing thing is when God speaks, It becomes true isn't that amazing so if we think about that in creation God said let there be light and boom there was light and God talked to Abraham and said he was gonna make Abraham the father of a great nation well Abraham was really really old like 90 years old and his wife Sarah was really old and they didn't have any kids and God said he was gonna make Abraham the father of a great nation and all of a sudden they had kids and their kids had kids. And their kids had kids. And you know what? It became true. Abraham became the father of a great nation. And then we think about Jesus in the New Testament. And Jesus saw a paralyzed man laying on the mat, couldn't walk. And Jesus said, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And the man did. And then Jesus' friend Lazarus was dead in the grave. And he had been in the tomb for three days Jesus went to the tomb and said, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus was alive and came walking out. Isn't that amazing? We worship a God who when he speaks, it comes true. And God says something amazing about each and every one of you. He says that you are my loved, forgiven child. Isn't that amazing? You are a loved, forgiven child of God. Not because of how awesome you are, and I think you're pretty awesome, but because who God is and what he says about you, and he says that you are his. And that's better than mountain biking down a volcano or kayaking over waterfalls or even snorkeling with stingray and barracuda. That's pretty awesome. You are love forgiven children of God because that's who he says you are. Will you pray with me? We'll fold our hands, bow our heads, and you can repeat after me. Heavenly Father, you are the one true God. Thank you for loving us and calling us your children. Amen. All right, boys and girls, thanks for coming up, and you can head on back to your seats.
5: You put it back together
3: is that the songwriting in that is so rich, is it not? It just, it penetrates. There's nothing better than Jesus. There's nothing better than having him stand with us steadfastly in our our loss, in our shame, in our sorrow. And in our times of, we have mountaintops, but we have valleys. Jesus is there all the time. That song is a wonderful reminder of that. So I welcome you this morning into the richness of that truth. We have a video that we're gonna watch which I think has some important reminders to us about who God is, who we are in this nation, who we are as God's people. So if we could roll that video, let's take a look.
7: Dear United States of America, I'm sorry, I haven't been who I was created to be. Things have been tense, it's been tough. We've had trouble trusting each other, believing in and supporting each other. It seems like we only see our differences. And the truth is, we're all just humans, brothers and sisters created in God's image. It seems like the problems are caused by them. You know, those people. They think, look, and talk different. They are different. They are the problem but there is no they. No, there is only us, us Americans. We are the United States of America. One nation, indivisible and under God. That means it's gonna be okay. God's got the whole world in His hands. So when politics don't go my way, it's in His hands. When everything is falling apart and nothing makes sense, it's in His hands. I forgot that God is in control, so I tweeted things that didn't look like Christian love. I posted things that Jesus wouldn't post. I've said things that weren't from a spirit of unity and love. I forgot to love my neighbor as myself, so I am sorry. And I'm going to try harder to spread joy instead of fear, to encourage rather than condemn and instead of shouting my opinions i'm going to choose to share jesus
3: i think it's significant that in that video we just heard i am sorry and that's what that's why we come to this table because jesus made a way for us to bring i am sorry to him and he will deal with them so, I invite you to the Lord's table. We always begin this with just what is known as the words of institution. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and after he had broke it, he gave thanks, and he, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, after supper, he took the cup. And he gave it to them, saying, Take and drink all of it, for this is the new covenant in my blood, which was shed for you for the remission of all of your sins. And the peace of the Lord be with you." What I would like to do now is if you're here today and it is still your preference to have communion in the little sealed hourglass cups, um, I want to offer you just to kind of peel back that one where the bread is at, take that now, and know that this is the body of Jesus which was broken for you, and then flip it over, open up the wine or the juice, and know that this is the blood of Jesus, which was shed for you for the remission of all of your sins. So we do communion now. When you are ready to come forward, we will have servers up here to administer the sacraments. We welcome you to the Lord's table.
6: Dear God, it's me Calling out to you Tonight I'm on my knees Hoping you'll come through This one's for my dad can you help him please the world's made him mad at mom and me and i'm asking you to bring his heart back home laugh, now all they do is fight. She says, I love my man, but he's so far from you. She's done all she can, but she can't bring through. And she's begging you. Recognize my voice, I haven't talked to you since I was a little boy. Tonight I heard my son pray for his old man. It made me come undone, it made me understand that only you can bring my heart back. Oh
3: body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May it strengthen you, preserve you, and keep you steadfast in the one true faith. Depart in this marvelous and beautiful peace of Jesus.
8: Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we celebrate our freedom today, we thank you for the never-ending freedom we have to bring our prayers to you. Please pray for my dad, who is having heart surgery on Wednesday. Prayers for my friends who lost their son to suicide on Friday. For a successful surgery on Tuesday for my sister. Bless the surgical team with skill and precision. I ask all of this in accordance to your will. Lord, so many are in need of your healing continue to pray for Mia Fon in a successful kidney donor match. Fill her with your hope, patience and perseverance and walk with her husband Carson as he supports her and deals with the uncertainty of waiting. For Mike and Diane Hughes who lost their son to an auto accident. Prayers for Steve Zinnell family who lost a mother and wife to a heart attack. Prayers for all my loved ones at SOS and for Corey, who loves you too. Dear Lord, I'm searching for you and praying for the truth. Please show me your grace, mercy, and love as I search you out. Lord, we thank you for hearing our prayers. Please give us a deeper faith. Show us how we can love you better Help us begin to see other people the way you see them and to love them the way you love them. Make us slow to speak and quick to listen. Show us tangible ways that we can start bringing your will to earth as it is in heaven. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven,
9: If you haven't done this recently, go through the Lord's Prayer again. Just petition by petition, and I'd like to even say attitude by attitude, because I think that's what the Lord's Prayer is all about. When the disciples wanted Jesus to teach them a prayer, it was really to teach them attitudes in life. And I know about you, when I do the Lord's Prayer, sometimes I'm just breezing through it. I'm thinking about what's next. So maybe later today or sometime this week, go through that prayer and just say, Lord, help me understand these attitudes that you want your people to follow. All right, for five weeks here at 1C, we've been having a blast. Now, what that means is we've been having our summer camp on our campus, and we've been looking at uh, uh, B-L-A-S-T, right? Um, Where's Brittany? Brittany. Say it out loud, what it stands for. Yeah, building lives around sound truth. And there is, I'm going to tell you, there is one truth. Truth is not relative. Truth is not your opinion versus my opinion. Truth is, as Christians, we believe we find it in the scriptures. And God has spoken that truth to us in a very clear way. And is a gift he's given to us. We have one more week of Blast, and if you want to see a group of people who take God's Word at at face value, they just have the beautiful, beautiful, beautiful childlike faith. You know, this last week we had uh, this idea of Mystery Island, and, you know, we captured some of that up here. You could see some of our uh, decorations in the week. But just think about the word mystery. Do you like mysteries? Yeah. But nothing more frustrating is to have the mystery continue forever. It's great in a book. It's great in a movie. It's great when you find out the mystery being um, unpacked for you. But if the mystery remains, it becomes frustrating. But I look at children and their childlike faith when they come across a mystery. They have a sense of wonder when they look at it. I mean, how? How can this ugly-looking caterpillar thing create some kind of cocoon and then be in there and then come out and it's beautiful? <laughs> Kids just kind of take it at face value and that mystery is just like, it's just great. I, I don't know how it happens, but it's really great. Or I had a a third grader that wanted to learn about communion. And so if you have a third grader or somewhere around that age and they want to know more about communion, give me a call. I'd love to talk to them. But as I was walking them through what the Bible says about communion, they were just taking it at face value. Yep, yep. The Bible says that it's the body and the Bible says it's the blood of Christ for the forgiveness of sins. I I mean, I think it's beautiful. And yet, the older we get, I think a little cynical we are. We'll look at it and go, well, wait a minute, how can that be? But as a a youngster, sometimes they just take it at face value and they just accept it with a sense of wonder. So we're gonna take a journey today and we're gonna look at one of the stories that we had here at Blast. And it was on Friday, it was the story of David and Goliath. And it's a great story, but I'm going to tell you: if if all the story it is to you is about a little boy beating up on a big boy named Goliath, you're missing you're missing the mark. It's part of the story. It's a great story, right? You've heard of right the underdog beating, you know, a, a team like um, my Milwaukee Bucks. I don't know if you're following sports at all, but uh, my Milwaukee Bucks, my own team beat the Atlanta Hawks. They were kind of underdog because their biggest, best player wasn't there. We love those stories. We're going to see a story of David and Goliath, but there's things about the story that make the story more remarkable. So walk with me if you would. Um, 1 Samuel 17, verse 50. If we can go back. Thank you. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Now this is after the fact. So David, who is part of the storyline here, he didn't know that this was happening. This is after. So he had to go through some other things first. Before he got to Goliath, before he got to this battle, before he went and got those five stones and threw the stone and hit Goliath and killed him. He had to go through other things first. And each of these three things could have been game changers. These three things could have gotten in the way before he battled Goliath. So he had some other things he had to deal with first. So let's talk about those three things. And maybe you can relate, because there are times in our life that before we get to the big battle, there's some little battles. So let's go to the first one, and we're going to talk about Jesse. Jesse, before I get into that, uh, David faced the ordinary. Jesse was David's father. We don't know a lot about David's upbringing, other than he was from Jesse, and if you follow the family tree back, you go to Ruth, very Prominent person in the Bible. You go back, you get to Abraham, all right? You go forward, you see Je- Jesse, David, and through that family line is Jesus. So here's Jesse, and David is facing the ordinary. And I'm going to say this before I go further. Sometimes the ordinary derails us from what God wants. And it could have happened here. So, what was the ordinary? Well, uh, now Jesse said to his son David, take this ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. They were with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. Now, A little background. Uh, Back at the time of David, uh, you had to be 20 years or older to be part of the army. We do not know exactly what age David was, but he was under 20. He wasn't legit in order to be in the army. Most commentators will believe that he was somewhere between 15 and 17. I'm going to tell you, when I was between 15 and 17, What would I think, what would I feel if my dad asked me to go do something for my brothers? Not too cooperative. Now, David, as human as you and me, maybe inside struggles he's thinking, well, wait a minute. It wasn't that long ago I was just anointed and set apart to be the future king. And how many times do, quote, 15 to 17-year-olds or adolescents think a little bit more of themselves than they should? So David could have very easily got caught up in the ordinary thinking, this is not something king-worthy. But instead, he listened. He obeyed. He went. And he did the ordinary, which was part of the process to get to Goliath. Okay, so ordinary. So that's the first thing. Second one. Now we're going to talk about his brother Eliab. If you go back to the storyline, Samuel is now commanded by God to find a new king. Because Saul wasn't cutting it. Saul, big and tall and strong and mighty, the trophy king that the Israelites wanted more than anything, was failing. The evil, the sin, the corruption was starting to affect his his ministry as a king. So he was going to now have Samuel pick a new king. So he goes to Jesse and he has all the brothers kind of paraded in front of him. And here's Eliab, the first one, the oldest one, the tallest, the biggest, the strongest. And God led Samuel to say, no, not you. And he he goes through all of them. And finally, Samuel says, do you have anybody else? And it was, well, we've got this shepherd boy, almost as if you wouldn't be interested in him. And he chooses him. Well, here's the story. So David does the ordinary. He goes to the battle, and he confronts Eliab. Uh, 1 Samuel 17:28. When Eliab David's oldest brother heard him speaking with the man, men, he burned with anger and asked him, "Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now here's this older brother dealing with this younger brother. Doesn't have a lot of respect for him. Maybe has that jealousy factor. You know, David's got the hand of blessing to be the king when he maybe he should have. So who knows what was all going on in Eliab's heart, but he was really discouraging David. Maybe distracting him is another a good word, right? Like, what, aren't you supposed to be back doing your thing? And no, David was following Jesse, was listening to his dad. All right, the third thing. Now he comes across King Saul. And he f- is now facing this thing called discouragement. Verse 33, Saul replied, You're not able to go against the Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. And he has been a warrior from his youth. Now here's Saul. Looking at David. Maybe starting to feel insecure. Because, you, you know, I don't know about you, when I'm not doing what God wants me to do, I know. I know. And so maybe Saul is starting to sense that his time as king is coming to an end. And here's this David, the shepherd boy, who doesn't really match up to Saul physically, and he tries to put him down. Well, let's do a little flashback, if you would. Uh, this goes back to 1 Samuel 16. This is before all of this is happening. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height. For I have rejected him, that was Saul. The Lord does not look at those uh, at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I don't know about you, this is what happens in my world. There is what's called the known, you know, what do we know? And then over here is the unknown, okay, that space where it's just like we just don't get it. What do you fill the middle with? The space where you just just don't have a clue, you just can't figure it out. Well, sometimes, like in this instance, Saul was filling it in with, this doesn't look right. David's small, little insignificant or maybe sometimes when you go through life you have fear kind of get entered into this space worry Let's just think about some of the things that we deal with when there's certain parts of our life we just don't know and maybe it's those moments just like David just like Saul because Saul was dealing with it There are these big Goliaths in our life, and it's really not about a a person. It could be a circumstance or situation. In fact, I came across a a pastor that used this, uh, this quote. A Goliath is anything that opposes the purposes of God. Anything that opposes the purposes of God. Maybe you're in a moment like now. And maybe your Goliath is something called fear or worry or angst or depression. Um, when I think about the, the things in my life and the things I get to experience, you know, in the four, wa- um, four walls of my office, I remember 25 years ago, maybe 28 years ago now, I um, had this moment where this gal made an appointment to talk to me and she comes in she sits down and she says pastor I just want to tell you I hate you now they don't teach you at the seminary what to do when somebody says they hate you so I just was you know my chin did go to the ground go oh my and then she goes on this storyline she says I come to church and I see your wife with all those kids. I've been wanting a child for years, and I can't have one. Her Goliath, big. And there's this span between the known and the unknown. And what she was filling it in with is, was jealousy. I've had situations in my life where parents were trying to figure out what to do with their kids. Or a spouse trying to figure out this other spouse, and this spouse trying to figure out them, and they're using the word divorce, and it's, that's their Goliath. Or somebody comes into my office, and you know they've been single for a long time, and their desire is to find somebody that they can live life with, and they just can't find that. That's their Goliath. Or somebody that's been out of work for all too long and they just can't find the right job that will put enough food on the table for their family. That's their Goliath. What's yours? Truth is, the Bible says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we experience that. We have those Goliaths. They come our way between the known and the unknown, God's answer. He wants to introduce this idea of faith and trust in him. No matter what Goliath is in front of us. No matter how big. I mean, I love how the the, the scriptures paint this picture of Goliath. Nine foot three inches tall. His spear, the head of the spear alone Sixteen pounds. The armor that he's wearing is about 160 pounds of weight. Just an armor. Sounds pretty big, doesn't it? What's your Goliath? Where is it that God needs to step into your life into that space between the known and the unknown, and give you this thing called faith. Well, it begins as it did with David, 1 Samuel 13, 14. So now, again, Samuel is talking to Saul and says, Your kingdom will not endure, Saul. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. That's where it begins, when we have a heart for God that has been cultivated by God himself and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's commands. So out there, he's, you know, Samuel the prophet, the person speaking on behalf of God, says, you know what makes a difference when battling against whatever it is? having a heart for God. Now, how do we get that heart? Because we all have heart issues. God speaking to us. This past week, Monday through Friday, our kids were in this room hearing different truths about who God is. And our hope, our prayer, our intent that day after day or week after week as they would come here, these truths would change their heart, would change their mind, would change their lives. In fact, if you you want to have a little exercise this week, you could take the little brochure that you were given and when you take a look at it, on the very front of it, you'll see the five different truths about God that really did cultivate, we'll just say David's heart, to be a man after God's own heart. So here's what they are. Number one, from Psalm 145, that God is great. All the time, in all circumstances, at all times. Or how about Jeremiah 32, verse 37? God is almighty. How about Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3? God is the ultimate ruler. He's in control. Isaiah 7:14. God is with us. He is Emmanuel. And then Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. God is trustworthy. Even though though the people that are sitting right next to you are not always trustworthy. I mean, they are most of the time. That's why you're with them. But they're not perfect. But God is always trustworthy. And I believe that when we have this word of God in us and with us and working in us, something happens. And the writer to the Hebrews tells us in chapter 11, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So let me give the Jim Thielen version of this. When you have a mystery in your life right now and you cannot connect the dots and the known and the unknown seem so far apart God steps in and says, I'm going to give you hope. I'm going to give you a hope that will not disappoint you. A hope that will change your perspective and will change your life. And then you go from chapter 11, you go to chapter 12, and the writer to the Hebrews says it this way. And I'm, I know I have this ESV version up there. I memorized the New International Version. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith, who for the joy set before you endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. So if you want to deal with the Goliaths in your life, don't look at the Goliath. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Now, uh, an advertisement. I want to give you an opportunity to fix your eyes on Jesus. Come every single week to worship. I think that's great. Watch it online if you would. And if you travel, you can go onto our website, you can watch this later. In two weeks, July 18th, we're going to start a new series entitled Summer Psalms. And we're going to look at eight different psalms. Now remember Psalms? The Human Condition. God's solution. When you read a psalm, look for those two themes. They're they're in almost every single psalm. Human condition, trial, trouble, you know, and then God's solution. It's just beautiful. We're going to go through these. So we're going to encourage you to do something that some of you do and some of you don't, but we'd like you to do. Bring a Bible. I might have you open that up Find that verse and underline something, and, and just look at it throughout the week. So do that. If you happen to be you know tech savvy, you might even have a, one of those things called a smartphone, and we have a uh, a QR code here um, on the inside, and it, it's going to take you to Uversion Life uh, Bible from Life Church, incredible app for your phone, and so you can even use that. Also, if you don't have a Bible and would like one, we are going to have some available. We have some available now, but we're going to get some more in. So be thinking that way. Come every single week and watch how the Word of God will transform your thinking. And I do believe, I do believe after eight weeks, when we look at the Word of God and we let the Word of God come in here, It's going to change us. It's going to build us up our hope, our strength, our peace, and our comfort in Him. All right, Amen. Uh, We continue now. We're going to profess our faith now. Why do we do that? It's an opportunity, right here, right now, but also outside of the four walls of of this church, to talk about the God who has changed your life—the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So I want to invite you at this time to please stand and we're going to profess our faith. And we're going to use the the words of the Apostles' Creed. It's a great summary of the Christian faith. So let's share this out loud together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sin. the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Receive now the blessing of our Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace now and forever. Amen. (laughs)